one of the things that I remember about attending West Crisp Elementary School is that, I don't know if it happened every year, but I know it happened on occasions. The teachers would hand out little 12-inch rulers. And on those 12-inch rulers, I, I remember this, was written the golden rule. 12-inch ruler, golden rule, you get it? They had kind of a, you know, way of uh, syncing those two things together. And, and I remember written on that, that wooden, little wooden 12-inch ruler was the golden rule, the verse that we have read this morning. Now, as I think about that, uh, you know, that probably wouldn't be acceptable today, you know, to hand out a, a, a ruler like that with scripture on it, because God forbid that we should try to infect our kids today with any kind of biblical truth. How great harm that would be to them. I say that sarcastically, I hope you understand. But back then, you know, we prayed at the beginning of each school day we had assemblies where we would go down to the uh, auditorium and have assemblies and we'd have preachers come in. I remember when I was a kid, we had a preacher come in and he was preaching about Russia and how Russia was gonna bomb us and kill us all. He was talking about the second coming of Jesus and it like scared me to death, you know, this, this preacher. And he was hot, he was hollering and sweating and spitting and he, he scared us all to death. We had, a, we had a drill later on, you know, in case Russia sent a nuclear bomb our way, what were we supposed to do? We were supposed to get under our desk. You know, those were good desks back then. Those were sturdy desks. They would save you from a nuclear attack. Uh, we have all shopped at J.C. Penney before. Did you know that at the beginning, when J.C. Penney, Mr. J.C. Penney, who was a great Christian man, a great Christian testimony, when he began his, his store, and he started his stores with just one little store in this town, uh, he, he called his first store the Golden Rule Store. That was the name of it. And in fact, as they began to add stores, that was the first name of J.C. Penney, the Golden Rule Stores. Mr. Penny said later, it was his belief that success would come by treating his customers as he would want to be treated. And so he wanted that to be the standard for his store. He stated that he wanted his employees and the customers who came to the, his stores to be treated by the golden rule with kindness and love and respect, understanding and encouragement. And that's, he gave credit to the golden rule for building the J.C. Penney franchise into a multi-billion dollar business. Now, I haven't been in J.C. Penney's for a while. I kind of wonder if they still follow the golden rule. I don't know. Now, maybe you have more of an insight into that than I do. But what we're looking at today is what we call the golden rule. Now, Jesus said, something very important when he made this statement what we call the golden rule and then he added this he said that the golden rule and jesus didn't call it the golden rule that's what we call it but jesus said the golden rule sums up the entire ethical teaching of the old testament he said everything in the law and the prophets if you put it in a pot and boil it down everything in the law and the prophets can be summed up 
with this statement, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So when Jesus makes that statement, that the, the ethical teaching and truth of the law and the prophets, that is all of the commands and all of the direction that you find in the Old Testament, when Jesus says that the golden rule sums up all of those things, then that makes this verse a very important verse for us to understand. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. First of all, I want us to understand what the golden rule is not. The golden rule is not the gospel. The golden rule is not a way to salvation. The golden rule is not a way to heaven. Now we make those statements because there are churches in America today who teach the golden rule as if it is the gospel. And here's the message of many churches in America today. And you know, when I talk about other churches every now and then or denominations, I try not to be critical or anything like that, but I'm just reporting the truth. This is what's being taught in many churches in America today. Their message is, you want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven. Well, here's how you go to heaven. You need to come to church as often as you can. Now, we understand that every now and then you can't come to church and, you know, you got other things to do. But, you know, you need to come to church as often as you can. You need to be a nice person. You need to be a good person. You need to try to do good to others. You need to try to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to try to treat others kindly as you would want them to treat you. If you want to go to heaven, then you need to come to church every now and then, be a good person, and treat others according to the golden rule. And if you do that more often than you don't, then you're a good person. And you can consider yourself a Christian. And you will go to heaven when you die. Now, let's look at that for just a moment. Every Christian should be faithful to church. We need to come to church. We need to come to church. And it's so good to be back in church this morning. You know? I, I was going to church, virtual church, and church on the television, and all of that, and I enjoy that, and I love my favorite preachers and all that kind of thing. But man, I wanted to be with y'all, as pretty as y'all are. I wanted to be with y'all in, in my... Oh, I call it my church. You call it your church. That's okay. The Lord understands what we're talking about. I wanted to be with, in my church with my people. And we need to go to church. We need to be faithful to church. I mean, some folks are faithful to go to Walmart every week. Why can't you be faithful to go to church every week? I'd whole lot rather come to church in Walmart, to be honest with you. Nothing against Walmart. Go there too much, too often. But we need to be faithful to church. And every Christian should be a nice person. Every Christian should be nice. You know, there's not enough kindness in the world. There's a lot of meanness. You know, there, there's just not enough kindness in the world. And if anybody should be just a nice, kind person, it should be a Christian. 
And every Christian knows, we have been taught this, that we should try to love our neighbor as ourselves. Every Christian should try to be kind to other people. We should treat other people as we want to be treated. Every Christian should try to be a good person. That's true. But as true as that is, none of those things makes a person a Christian. Now, Christians ought to be that, but we ought to be that because we are saved, not because we're trying to be saved. None of those things makes a person a Christian. That is not the gospel. Be a good person, come to church every now and then, try to treat others good, try to treat others according to the golden rule. That's not the gospel. And that's not the way to heaven. You will find a lot of people who are not Christian who are good people, ethical people, who try to treat people right. Some people try to make the golden rule an alternative to the gospel. I actually heard a preacher say this one time. You know, there are many ways to heaven. Now let me correct that immediately. There's one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. And this guy said, however... You can believe in Jesus, and that's a good thing. But if you can't believe in Jesus, if you don't want to believe in Jesus, if that's not going to be something you want to do, then you can go to heaven by keeping the golden rule. I'm glad I was watching that on television. Because if I were there in person, I would have not made a ruckus, but I wouldn't have stayed in that sanctuary. Because that is just not true. The golden rule is not an alternative to the gospel. The golden rule is not another way to heaven. Let me tell you something that might be a little shocking to you. For you to go to heaven by keeping the golden rule. For you to go to heaven by keeping the laws and the commands of the Bible. You would have to keep them. Not 50% of the time, not 80% of the time, not 90% of the time, but you would have to keep the laws and the commands of the Bible perfectly 100% of the time. You could never fail. You could never fall to, to keep the laws and the commands of the Bible. If you want to go to heaven according to your own goodness and your own works, then you're going to have to be perfect. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is the one who does not obey all the words of this law. If you don't obey all the words of this law, then you have fallen short. James 2, 10. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. You see, the laws and the commands of God are like links in a chain. They're all interconnected. They're all joined together. And if you break one, you've broken them all. When it comes to salvation, the laws and the commands and the rules and the principles of the Bible do two things for us. Number one, they show us the holy and perfect nature of Almighty God. They are a reflection of His character, of His nature. They reveal to us God's holy and perfect nature. 
Number two, they reveal the failure of every one of us to live according to the standards of God. We have all fallen short. We have all, many times and in many ways, broken the laws and the commands of Almighty God. The laws, the commands, the rules, the principles of the Bible cannot save us. They can only condemn us. They can only show that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me tell you something else that might be a little uncomfortable until you understand the truth of it. In order to go to heaven, you can't be just a good person. In order to go to heaven based on you, you can't just be a good person. You have to be a perfect person. You can't be 99.5% good and go to heaven. You have to be perfect. Now you might raise your hand and say, well, Brother Chris, that leaves me out. I'll raise my hand with you. That leaves me out too. So here's what the Bible does. People a little struggle sometimes to understand this, but here's what the Bible tells us. Since none of us can achieve a perfection on our own, we must receive a perfection that God offers to us. And he offers us the perfection we need in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible teaches imputation. Fancy word. What does it mean? It means that when Jesus was on the cross, your sins, your evil, your failures, your faults, your shortcomings were all imputed to Jesus Christ. Laid upon Christ as if he had done what you have done. And then Jesus accepted the wrath of God and the judgment of God for our sins upon himself. Our sins were given to Jesus. Now when you give your life to Christ, his perfection is given to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians 3.9 Be found in him not having my own righteousness, my perfection, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. See, when you give your life to Christ, here's what happens. You give him your sins, he gives you his perfection. So that when God looks at you as a Christian, he sees you through the filter of the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you stand acceptable to God, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. You see, that's hallelujah territory. That's glory to God territory. That should make even the most stoic Baptist say something like hallelujah and glory to God. The golden rule is not the gospel. It is not an alternative to the gospel. The golden rule is not a way to heaven. The way to heaven is Jesus, through Jesus alone. You can't earn salvation. You can't achieve salvation. You can't deserve salvation. You can only receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my hero. Is he yours? Jesus Christ is my hero because he gave himself for me. Somebody like me. He willingly accepted my sin upon himself 
And he died for me. And I have believed in him. And when I believed in him, he took my old sorry sin. And he placed his blood upon it and my sins were forgiven. Then he gives me the perfection, his perfection. That is needed for me to be acceptable to God. And I am covered in his perfection. So that when God looks at me, he sees me through the perfection of Christ. And I am accepted in the beloved. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the way to be saved. Not by keeping the golden rule. So if the golden rule is not an alternative to the gospel, if the golden rule is not a way to heaven, then what is the golden rule? I mean, Jesus spoke it. Well, first of all, the golden rule is God's standard. God's guiding principle for how his people those who are Christians for how those who are saved are to treat other people in the world. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is a guide for our personal relationships. Now how, is, how are we as the people of God, how are we to treat people in the world? It's very simple. The standard is here. We are to treat others as we would like them to treat us. Isn't that simple? And it's true. Now, it may be simple, but it's difficult sometimes. Because there's some ordinary people in this world. Have y'all ever noticed that? Thank God none of them are here today. But there's some ordinary people. There's some people that are easy not to like and hard to love in this world. Have you ever run into any of those people? Brother Chris has. But we've got to keep this in mind. That this is the standard for how we are to treat people in the world. There's a lot of meanness and ugliness in the world. Now, I'm not such of a social media kind of guy. I only do that because it gives me access to, you know, people and able to talk to them and that kind of thing. But my word, I said I'm an observer of all of that. And there's some ugliness in this world. There's some ugliness in this world. And of course, people can hide behind. They can be in their bedroom at night. You know, and type all kind of ugly, nasty things toward people. And they're kind of isolated from, you know, the actual confrontation that they, they can have. There's some ugliness in this world. But here's what Jesus says to us. We are to treat others as we would want them to treat us. In other words, do you want to be loved? Everybody wants to be loved. If you want to be loved, then love others. Do you want to be respected? Everybody wants to be respected. Then respect others. Do unto them as you would have them to do unto you. Do you want to be treated honestly? You know, I, I've been getting all this the, for I don't know how long, all these, these scamming things, you know, through text messages and whatever, you know. You have won $25,000. Some dude somewhere in Liberia somewhere is sending me this, you know, and I know it's a scam. And so I delete the stupid thing, and, you know, I don't have nothing to do with it. Now, if $25,000 happens to show up in Brother Chris's mailbox, we're going to do some investigation, and if it's clean, I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to give a tithe to the church. Can I get a witness? Amen. You know? But... I don't want to be scammed or ripped off. 
You don't want to do that. Do you want to be treated honestly? Then be honest with other people. Do you want to be forgiven when you fail? You know, we all act stupid sometimes. And we all say things we shouldn't say. And we all do things we shouldn't do. As saved as we are. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror. First of all, I say, hey, good looking. And then I say, why were you so stupid? <laughs> in saying what you said or doing what you did. You know, we, we all... Do you want to be forgiven when you fail? Then forgive others. Do you need affirmation? You know, there, there are a lot of people who feel like they're worthless today. I mean, just they feel like, you know, nobody really loves them. God doesn't love them. That's what they feel like. And they, they just feel like they're worthless. And thrown away. And sometimes they're told that they're worthless. And... Yeah, people need affirmation. Now, we shouldn't affirm sin or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But people need affirmation. That, look, God loves you. And yeah, maybe you've done stuff in your life you shouldn't have done. But I want to tell you something. God loves you. He proved that by sending His Son to die on the cross for your sins. And you are of value. You have worth. You're not worthless. You are a precious, special human being created by God. I want to tell you something. You may have never thought of this, but do you know that you're the only one of you that God has ever made? Think of all of the, the trillions of people who have lived before us. I don't know how many more will live you know, beyond us, but you're it. You're the only one of you that God has ever made. You are precious, you are special, you are important. And maybe you've messed up in life. Well, we've all messed up in life. You know, I was watching the, the football game last night. And one of the, Stetson Bennett's the quarterback for the University of York. Okay, yeah. And they showed a graphic where Stetson Bennett's great-grandfather was a moonshiner who became a Baptist preacher. That's literally, they showed it on, you know, on the screen. Stetson Bennett's great-grandfather was a moonshiner who became a Baptist preacher. And one of the commentators on the game said, how does that happen? And I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus, that's how that happens. His saving grace and mercy. Listen, maybe you not haven't been a moonshiner, but maybe you messed up in life and you feel worthless. You feel like, you know, nobody, you're just not worth much and nobody loves you and, and cares for you. But I want you to know how special and precious you are. You're the only one of you that God has ever made. That makes you a masterpiece. We need to affirm people. People need affirmation. Do you need affirmation? Then affirm others. When you are hurt and wounded and broken, do you need a gentle touch? Then be gentle. To other people. Do you appreciate kindness? Then be kind to others. Do you want to be encouraged? Then encourage others. Do you want others to keep their promises to you? Then keep your promises to others. You see, the agape, the, the, the golden rule is agape love, God's kind of love in action and practical everyday living. Do unto others 
as you would have them to do unto you. The golden rule requires Christians not just to refrain from hurting others, but the golden rule requires us to take initiative in doing good to others. We are to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. We're not just to refrain from harming other people, we're to take the initiative in doing good to other people, even when they're not good to us, even when they don't deserve it. We are to practice the golden rule. Now there's many ways that the golden rule plays out. The golden rule should motivate us just to be kind to people, you know? Anytime I go to town, to the grocery store, Miss Avery should never send me to the grocery store. You know, I'm supposed to go in there and get bread, milk, and eggs. I come out with $80 worth of junk, you know? But anytime I'm out there in the world, just meeting people, I think about, now this is a person that Jesus has died for. Can I be a blessing to that person? Now, I wish I could say I always thought that way, but when I'm what I ought to be in the Lord, that's the way I'm thinking. The golden rule guides us in how we just treat other people. We need to be kind and gracious to other people. The golden rule also should be, uh, motivate us to be honest with the lost people. Now, I can tell you a lot of lost people don't want to hear that they're lost. They don't want to hear that they're sinners. They don't want to hear that they're separated from God. They don't want to hear that. They don't like that. They don't want to hear that. They think you're judging them if you tell them something like that. But the golden rule should motivate us to be honest with lost people, to tell them the truth about the reality of their sin and their lostness, to warn them of the spiritual danger that they are in, to tell them that they can be saved only through Jesus Christ. The golden rule should motivate us to be honest with the lost people. And I've shared the gospel with people, and a lot of times, you know, those people didn't like it. They didn't appreciate it. They didn't want to hear it. They thought I was judging them. I'm not judging them. I'm telling them the truth. The golden rule requires me to tell them the truth, to do unto them as I would want them to do for me. If I were in spiritual danger, I would want somebody to tell me. Someone loved us enough to share the gospel with us. Well, we should love the lost enough to share the gospel with them. The golden rule also should motivate us to be honest with a fellow Christian. If we something, see something in the life of a fellow Christian, they're doing something that's going to harm them or harm others. The golden rule should motivate us with kindness, with compassion, not making a big old show of it, but with showing our love and concern for them to pull them aside and say, look, this is not right. This is not what you ought to be doing. If you don't stop this, I know you're going to run into trouble. And I don't want that to happen to you. The golden rule is not a way of salvation. But listen. Only those who are saved and genuinely saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, only those who have a heart filled with love for God and others will have the power, the ability, and the desire to carry out the golden rule that's set forth by the Lord Jesus Christ. This governs how we, we treat people, how we act toward people. 
And this is the standard. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And then Jesus says that the golden rule sums up the law and the prophets. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus said the golden rule summarizes the ethical principles and the laws found in the Old Testament. In other words, all of the ethical commands of the Old Testament. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not seek revenge. Do not defraud others. Do not envy. Do not slander. Protect the poor. Provide for the needy. Be a friend of strangers. All of those things can be summarized by the golden rule. The law of the prophets. They are all summarized with this statement. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Imagine how different a church would be, or a family would be, or a nation would be, or a world would be, if God's people truly lived by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And so how should we respond to the golden rule as believers? First of all, we should love this command. You know, I think one of the tests of whether you're a child of God or not is do you love God's commands? I, I, I love this command. It's a beautiful command. It, it's a beautiful statement. Now, I, you know, I know we can all have our rough edges to us and we can all, you know, have our days and... We can all have our ways of dealing with people and responding to people. But my word, let's love this command. Isn't it a beautiful? I mean, isn't it just a beautiful statement? Do to others as you would have them to do to you. Second of all, we should agree with this command and acknowledge that this is the way that the Lord wants us to love people. This is how God wants you to love others. Thirdly, we should humble ourselves before the Lord and confess how often we have failed to live up to this command. Amen. We have, you know, we've blown it. But the good thing about God is you can blow it. But if you confess it before the Lord and ask him to forgive you and ask him to help you to do better and to be better. And if you're honest with God, you know, he's going to forgive you and he's going to help you to do better and be better. Number four, we should ask God to give us a servant's heart. Help us to grow in our ability to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. There's only one person who everly, ever perfectly fulfilled the golden rule, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Because at the cross, Jesus went far beyond the golden rule for us. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus died for us. I remember when I was saved. I remember when I was saved. I knelt down by Brother Clint Brown at Sycamore Baptist Church in Sycamore, Georgia. And he read these verses to me. I walked up to that man of God and I said, Brother Clint, I want to be saved. God had been dealing with me. He had brought conviction into my life. I knew that God wanted me to give my life to him. He'd been dealing with me for a long time, and I'd been old, 
hard-hearted rascal and I had run from the Lord, but finally the Lord said, I've had a day to run chasing after you. It's time for you to come to me. And I came and I, I took that pastor by the hand and I told him, I want to be saved. That's exactly the words I said. I want to be saved. And he knew, he's a preacher, he knew what I was talking about. I wanted my sins forgiven. I wanted to be right with God. He took his Bible and he turned to Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 13. And here's what he said. Here's what he read. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. You don't have to say, I want to be saved. What hill do I have to climb? What mountain do I have to climb? What great thing do I have to do to be saved? You don't have to say that. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? You don't have to say, when, when you say, I want to be saved, well, what hole do I have to dig? What, what, what great thing do I have to do? What great effort do I have to put out? You don't have to say that when you say, I want to be saved. You don't have to worry about climbing a mountain or digging a hole or doing some great thing in order that you might be saved. But what does it say it? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Do you know how close you are to being saved? You're as close as your next breath and the next beat of your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That means if you accept the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for you, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You might say, well, I, you know, if I come to God, maybe he won't accept me. Maybe he'll reject me. You know, maybe I've done too much. I've been too bad. Maybe God won't take me. It won't take me. But listen, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. In other words, if you come to God wanting to be saved, he will not turn you away. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, his grace is greater than your sin. And he won't shame you by saying, no, you're too bad. I can't save you. He will accept you. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is, is rich to all who call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Today, you can be saved. You can be saved. You don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to dig a hole. You have to believe. <clears throat> believe in your heart the truth of who Jesus is, Savior and Lord. Believe in all that you have within you. Give your life to Him. Call upon Him to save you, and He will save you. He's a good God.